When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Thursday, August 6th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 369 with Celtics Beat reporter Brian Robb from Boston Sports Journal is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today for your exclusive sign-up bonus. All right, Celtics beat fans, we are back. The NBA is back. The Celtics are back. It's good news, right? It's nice to have sports back, but actually games that matter. And first and foremost, here's something that matters more than anything else, especially in Orlando, in that Orlando bubble. With these games being played, all those teams down there, not a single positive test for the coronavirus. Everything is negative. Everybody is testing negative. Nothing doing despite even the snitch line. There are no problems inside that bubble since everyone got in there, which is great news. But focusing in on the court, that is what we're here to do. Brian Robb, Boston Sports Journal, Evan Valenti, producer, as well as sometimes host of this program. Welcome in, boys. How are you? Good to be here. Um, good to be with you guys. Excited that we already got a week of hoops under the books, and I expect that snitch line will get busy once the playoffs roll around, Adam. That's, it's just you don't want to waste that on senior seating games. Yeah, I saw I saw Giannis, Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, AD. They were all hanging out together. They were all out at Magic City getting wings with Lou Williams. I am petrified, petrified, B-Rob, of what the what recruiting stories five years from now go back to the time in the bubble. Like how, you know, we always – I think we've talked about this on past shows too, but you always hear about it now. You think back to like – LeBron and Wade and Bosch, those guys teaming up in Miami, and it went back to the Olympics, and, you know, Carmelo was in the mix. What recruitment stories down the line are going to revert back to, well, when we were in the bubble, I'll stay in at the, you know, whatever hotel. These three teams were together going out to eat with blah, blah, blah. It's it's a mess. It's going to be, what, there's 10 writers, 10 reporters in there right now. Those That's 10 books right there. Everyone's going to have a book. <laughs> With their stories from behind the scenes. And you've had to write from afar. Would Here's the question, though. Would you rather be in the bubble, or do you like it this way? I mean, you'd always rather be in the arena, you know, to be able to interact. Because you're going to get different reactions from the players when you're asking a question right next to them as opposed to on a Zoom press conference. Um With that said, being in a bubble for three months without seeing family and stuff, that is not ideal either. Um, which is what NBA reporters are having to do down there. Kudos to them that they were able to, to make that sacrifice. But, um, yeah, there's certainly pluses and minuses with the, the virtual nature of it. But all things being equal, I'd, I'd want to be in there and, you know, just to get, you know, not only interact with the players, but even being in the arena, too, to hear the trash talking when you're that close to the court with no crowd there. I think that would give you just some added perspective to everything. Well, joke's on all those reporters anyway, just waiting for the inevitable. The Celtics just put up 149 points against the Brooklyn Nets. I know they're undermanned, but clearly this is we're, we're just biding our time now for the next championship parade in Boston. Yeah, if, I mean, a G League parade maybe. If, <laughs> I, 
after because that was pretty much the Long Island Nets or whatever their G League team is named. But no, I mean, 149 points is 149 points. Uh, I think it was most since 1992 in any yeah. game. So, um, and it wasn't in the fact that it was, I think, seven guys in double figures. Those, you know, that was probably one of the best bench games of the year, period, for that team. And that's uh, a very encouraging thing to see if you're Brad Stevens heading into uh, the postseason starting in a couple weeks. What's the most encouraging thing, though, through four games? Because we're halfway through this regular season reset, of course, eight games, then the 16-game tournament. You know, Jason Tatum could not have possibly been worse in game one, but he has been very good since. Jalen Brown, consistent throughout. We've seen some of these bench guys, Romeo Langford, Rob Williams most recently. You guys both know how I feel about Rob Williams. I absolutely adore the man. These guys have been, you know, solid off the bench of late, of course, getting more run in the game like the one against the Nets because you're not going to play your starters all that long when you're blowing another team, you know, off the face of the earth. Kemba Walker, the minutes are gradually going up. He didn't play in the latest one because of the the knee and just trying to make sure that the ramp up has him as healthy as he can be when the playoffs do roll around. Through four games, what's the big takeaway? I think you have to start with Kemba. Because that is kind of how this season goes for the Celtics right now, if you're talking about a deep run in the Eastern Conference. And he, you know, the team's play has been up and down, and the defense has been a question mark, and there's plenty of big questions about the team. But if you're talking encouraging, Kemba is not only playing up to his minutes limits, but physically he looks good, and he's actually, the shots are going in. Like, it'd be one thing if he's, all right, he's moving around well, but the shot is rusty or he's not consistent there, but... I think he's shooting, I think, close to, like, 55% from three so far over these first three games. And if you go back to when the season ended, Adam, and when, you know, before the hiatus, I think he hadn't shot over 50% in a game um, twice in a row since, like, mid-January. And that kind of just tells you just how, you know, much that knee was bothering him and just impacting his play, even when he was trying to play through it. But now – um, they're clearly babying him. The plan seems to be working. Long way to go there, but um, the results are there early for him, and that's huge for this team in terms of what their ceiling could be. The one thing with Kemba, though, the one thing that I'm waiting for, and I agree with the fact that he – I mean, I, I think you can go like 1A, 1B, Kemba's health and how he's looked, 1A, and then like Jalen being just incredible and, and hasn't missed a beat. Actually, looks even better than he was when we before we started the shutdown here. But the one with Kemba, yeah, I know it is. And I, I can't – like, the guy – I don't know what he did during the break, but he looks tremendous. Um, the one thing with Kemba that I'm, I'm a little concerned about, and, I, and, I, and I'm, my concerns are sort of getting alleviated the more the Celtics play, is Kemba picking his spots to really take over the game. Because you can see spots throughout, you know, the Portland game, obviously, Milwaukee, obviously, and, of course, uh, you know, the Nets game he didn't play, unfortunately, but I didn't really need him in that one anyway. Uh, but the game against Miami where you could see the Celtics kind of struggle a little bit, especially the Miami game. They were having some tough times getting their half-court stuff. And Kemba at one point would take the reins a little bit. But in, in my opinion, because of the development of Jason Tatum and, and how he's been the past couple of days or past couple of months, he's been, you know, the Celtics' best player and arguably one of the best players in the league. Uh, he's kind of him taking the reins has been kind of the thing. Well, now Kemba's got to relearn to pick his spots a little bit better. And, and I, there are – there were moments both in the Milwaukee game and in the game against uh, Miami where I wanted him to take more assertion earlier instead of waiting because, you know, when we get to the playoffs, you're not going to have the, the value of, like, waiting anymore. Like, these games, you know, it's playoffs. Like, you know, not every game's going to be a game seven, but every game really, really matters, all right? 
So the, the only thing, the only thing left for me with Kemba Walker, he looks great, looks explosive. That burst is still there. That speed is still there. He gets north and south like he used to, which is the big part of Kemba's game. His handle's always really crisp. But it's picking, it's feeling out the flow of the game and figuring out when he needs to settle the troops, calm everybody down, and take control. That's the last step of me with Kemba Walker, B-Rob, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And that's where, again, four months off, everyone just kind of getting back together. And like you said, Kemba adapting to the new version of Tatum and still, you know, realizing when it's his team. But I think the the encouraging thing is, you know, Brad Stevens is, I think, mixing and matching with his top four, top five guys. And so there are going to be times in the game where Kemba is the featured option option and Tatum's the featured option. But like you said, Kemba getting more aggressive there, um, especially versus certain opponents like Milwaukee, which really give up that, you know, pull up three to him all day long. That's his bread and butter. Um, the more he gets comfortable in those spots again, the better. Seltzer obviously be rubbed two and two since this resumption at this point, the first game against the Bucks when there was so much rust. And again, Tatum was awful. That is absolutely a game that if Tatum is even mediocre, they probably win that one. You know, they lose by seven. Portland eat that one out. A narrow loss to the Heat and obviously blow the nets out of, uh, out of the water. So these are four games that at least the three, if you include the ones they lost within that, all really close, all very winnable games. You know, I don't know how much these players are focused in on seeding, how much they care, how much they're outlining future matchups. What I do think Brad Stevens is naturally paying a lot of attention to is okay, what are things going to look like by the time this comes to an end, you know, August 13th, a few days from now, really, and I got to hone in on a playoff rotation. Even Romeo Langford, we alluded to him before, could be part of this rotation just because of what he does defensively. Do you feel like you're getting little hints, little clues into what the playoff rotation is going to look like through four games? Yeah, absolutely. I think we kind of saw that what Brad Stevens thought was going to be out of the gate in these games uh, the fact that, you know, Langford and Rob Williams, those guys weren't playing at all or were playing very minimally, but then the results weren't there and the defense wasn't there. So that I think let him to go search a little bit down the bench a little more to see what these younger guys could give him. And the Romeo Langford thing to me, I, that'd be a guy if I'm Brad Stevens, I just want to throw his feet into the fire to last next four seeding games. Um, you know, you're not going to play in 30 minutes or anything like that, but have him be a kiss, consistent part of the rotation because you're not sure what that ceiling is yet. You know what Shemi Ojale is. You know what Brad Wanamaker is. Um, Langford has improved over the course of the year, and his defense, I'd say, beyond behind Smart off the bench is better than anyone on the perimeter there. Um, and that's what you're going to need in the playoffs. So the offensive uh, for him is a question mark, obviously. His jump shot's a question mark, but – he seems to have a really good feel for a rookie. And, you know, you know a couple of months down the road, Gordon Hayward's going to disappear for probably a couple of games for the birth of his son. And those minutes are going to have to go somewhere when, where that's going to be. If the Southerners are lucky enough to still be playing at that point, um, it'll be good to know what you have in life in that spot instead of trying to, you know, throw rookies out there and not sure where you're going to get. To that end, is Robert Williams going to get a look over a guy like Ennis Cantor? I mean, obviously, over the course of the regular season, the original regular season pre-pandemic, that wasn't the case for a couple of reasons. One, I think Cantor entrusted within a certain role, despite the fact that he is kind of a defensive sieve, not through lack of effort, just lack of ability. He'll give you more offensively more often than not. But Robert Williams, with the injury, he wasn't out there. Now, all of a sudden, you see him first opportunity in that game against the Nets after playing something like I don't know, 20 seconds or whatever it was total in Orlando prior, the guy comes in 
and is there's there's the the Pete Campbell Mad Men not great Bob well the, great Bob great Bob perfect seven for seven 18 points he's out there mashing guys he's rebounding he's blocking shots this is a guy that I want to see out there on the regular yeah I mean that was the best game of his career by far against Brooklyn on Wednesday night and it was a slow start for him in that game too he had a couple slip-ups on both ends of the floor early but you know, with a big lead, gives the ability to play through those mistakes, and then he got it going. But there are certain – I mean, Cantor, I thought, has played well in Orlando. Tice is Tice, and your the defense kind of comes and goes a little bit there, but he gives you the versatility that Cantor and Rob Williams can't. But there's no question in certain matchups, like the, the, the Celtics would love for Rob Williams to come and kind of win that job and show in the, the minutes that, hey, you know, I can be the rim protector – uh, on the defensive end of the floor and also be the rim runner and, you know, pull guys in from the, the gravity perspective, whether it's the lobs or just simply in the pick and roll, because you have to account for that. And that opens up shooters in other parts of the floor. Um, I, I think Langford is going to ultimately make the bigger impact than Rob Williams. I think Rob Williams is just not there as well as he needs to be for a big man on the defensive end yet to, to kind of like, from a communication standpoint, from a, a trust standpoint of Brad Stevens. But to your point, Adam, like, why not? He, I think he's, with that performance, he should earn time in all the rest of these seeding games. You know, see what he can do, see if he can sustain some momentum. And then, yeah, in the right matchup in the postseason and against the right team where, you know, Cantor's getting cut up defensively and Tice is um, in foul trouble, then, yeah, like, Williams might be an appealing option there. These guys have to be really benefited by this whole experience, right? Like I get, there's nothing good about a pandemic. There's nothing good about what's going on in sports right now. Although we can, we can save this for a little bit later. What Adam Silver in the NBA, like this, I mean, unbelievable. The, the competition, the way it looks, the way it sounds, the way it feels, the return of the NBA has just been incredible. Far better than baseball. It's better than hockey for different reasons. Just the way maybe it's the nature of the sport, the way they can kind of trap the court and obviously the virtual fans and block off the other seats so you can't even see them. It's like they're playing inside a box. It looks incredible. But just to key in on my point, for especially for a guy like Langford, who's a rookie and dealt with injuries early in the year as well, is he really benefited – just by the fact that there is no home court advantage. There are no fans. There's nothing other than himself to psych himself out in this situation. You know, the, the moment is only as big as these young guys across the board, whatever team they're on, allow it to get for themselves within their own heads, if you know what I mean. Like we talk about the importance going into this situation for all these guys of, of will to win, of psychological you know, ability and, and just, and, and really grasping at the moment versus what it is in a, a a usual, a typical year. And it seems like Langford especially is a guy who could benefit being in Orlando versus I think if, if life were normal, he probably doesn't play in the playoffs at all. Yeah. It it certainly levels the playing field for those guys. And especially, you know, any young role guy, when you go on the road in the playoffs, there, if you look at the splits for those players, like it's like the shooting like plummets and you get lost, you get intimidated in the crowd, like you said. And even on top of that, um, just the unique situation of having four months to like kind of break down where your game's at and to see okay, what went right, what went wrong, get the feedback. Actually, you know, you, you're obviously limited in terms of how much these guys could work on their game individually, but um, it does provide 
just like fresh legs heading into the postseason instead of uh, an 82-game grinder, which is, you know, more than twice of what these guys went through in college. So um, I'll be curious to see just not just how guys like Langford and other younger players respond to that, but just team-wide. Like, I mean, we've seen you guys touched a little bit. I mean, I haven't touched a little bit on Jalen earlier and how good he's looked, but um, a lot of these guys have come back, you know, trained well. This is a team that's shown good discipline, I think, during quarantine. They weren't huffing and puffing in these games up and down the floor. Um, they're ready to go, and they've clearly worked on their game, and we're going to see in a couple weeks how much it pays off. Yeah, I've enjoyed the Romeo Langford experience only because, you know, a lot of people early on, you, you look at Langford, his, his inability to get on the floor, and then when he got on the floor, like his shot's a little, you know, not falling as much. You know, he's still learning his, his ways a little bit. But the one thing that I think Brad and Danny – have focused on, and this is really highlights Romeo, but also highlights Jason Tab and also highlights Jalen Brown and a lot of their strategy. A lot of these one and done guys, they don't put all their eggs into the basket of one season, right? Romeo had uh, played through a torn ligament in his thumb on a shooting hand. Obviously he wasn't as good as he could be. Jalen Brown had a mess of uh, spacing when he was playing with Cal. It was a disaster. He shot like 20% from three point range. It wasn't as good as he could be. Jason Tatum played hurt through that year. Uh, but again, he, back with Chaminade, uh, he, uh, he was unbelievable back in St. Louis. So what I like what Boston has done is said, Hey, like these guys that we've picked, whether it's Romeo, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are all high pedigree guys who maybe had a, a rough year, one year in their collegiate location. But if you go back to their high school career and, and look at all the tape and all the film and all the sessions we've had with them, their high school tape, is really impressive. And with Langford, and this has been my argument since they drafted him, they drafted him because he was going to be a top five pick if he didn't have to go to Indiana. All right. He was Mr. Basketball in Indiana. He had all these accolades, had a rough year because he played through an injury. And then, you know, you look at him now here in August and his instincts on the floor show immediately. Again, that shot is still a work in progress. And Joe Mazzullo is doing a great job trying to work with him on that. But this just highlights the, the, the scouting department, Austin Ainge, Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, and everybody else involved with that, they don't just look at one year and say, that's it. No, they go back as far back as they possibly can, and they trust their instincts. And Romeo, it might pay off huge because you look at a guy at 14 that they, that should have gone top five, that's going to be big going forward as they try and fill out the rest of this roster. You might have a guy in Romeo who can step in with that second unit and really provide some scoring for them on the line. Getting him his feet wet right now in these scenarios in Orlando and in the playoffs – it's only going to help his development going forward, in my opinion. Yeah, there's no question about that. And you, I mean, Ainge has a long history of doing this. You mentioned a few names. You go back to Avery Bradley, um, even finding plucking high schoolers like Al Jefferson, Kendrick Perkins way back. But, yeah, they he's been good at identifying good young talent that may have slipped through the cracks. And Lankford is a, you know, this is a after what was a, not a nightmare start to the season, but missing summer league. You know, being banged up, you know, reworking the jump shot. He obviously couldn't work his way onto the floor in the first, you know, 15, 20 games. But um, to me, the defense is there already, and that's usually the toughest thing for rookies to get on the floor. So uh, he plenty of time for the offense to come. And for now, they don't really need much offense. For him. If he can play defense, he's going to play. Real quick, just want to share this is a, uh, a special show for us, as it always is. This show brought to you by – Bet Online, our exclusive partner. No shortage of action going on at Bet Online. Sports 
slowly making their way back. Maybe not so slow anymore. UFC, NASCAR, soccer led the way. But, of course, now you have baseball, you have NBA, you have NHL. Playoffs are coming. NFL hopefully not that far away. And Bet Online has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming matches throughout the week and the weekend. NBA Futures, Lakers, who have locked up the number one seed in the Western Conference, don't even have to win another game inside the bubble before the playoffs, and that's part of why LeBron is not playing tonight as we chat right now. They are plus 240 to win the championship. The Clippers right behind them at plus 300, Bucks 325, and uh, Celtics, if you're looking for some long odds, but a team that is becoming kind of a sentimental favorite among many in the media, not even fans, media people are just grasping at the Celtics to come out of the East, plus 1,400. You can get a a pretty good payout right there if you want to invest. If you need more, BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, UFC happening every single day live for you to check out as well. So if you're looking for anything else beyond sports, BetOnline, hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, all the best props in the business, just visit BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device. Join us now to receive your new welcome bonus. Start playing today. BetOnline, your exclusive sportsbook experts as we continue on here with brian rob uh b rob of course uh people who are watching will understand this those who are listening will not but i have to ask the question why didn't you dress as nice as evan <laughs> i can't match i can't compete with that like Sorry, i guess Man, man's in a full suit looking suave tux jacket i i don't even have anything that good looking in my wardrobe period so i yeah I just, just don't even own it Exactly. I want to go toe to toe. I want to go toe to toe with Max one day. I want to just go like oh. shot for shot. You need Max, to have your suits made in Korea. Yeah. Matt, oh, I, oh, I've heard all the stories, man. He he dresses immaculately, <laughs> and whenever I see him, he's incredible. He has got he has got it down, no question. I don't know who, whoever he uses. I know he does it once a year or whatever, but nicely, nice job, nice job. Nice I'm, I'm just sitting here in one of my uh, you know homage. Good shirt NBA, though, Jam Celtics. Yeah, Bird that's a great and, shirt. And Mikhail, yeah, homage. Sponsor us, would you? Uh, the uh, the question, though, that I have for you, B-Rob, is through four games, what you've seen, obviously, halfway through, four more to go. The uh, report as well that Ben Simmons is out indefinitely for the Sixers, dealing with, quite frankly, I mean, it's horrible. It could be a very serious injury long-term. You hope it's not because he is an elite talent in the league, and also you just never wish that upon players. You want to beat the best while they're at their best. I'm not so sure the Sixers, though, are going to be at their best when the playoffs roll around pretty soon here, and that very well could be a first-round matchup for the Celtics. So how does this impact things it's big I mean there's no given how the Sixers they clearly tried to rework their lineup um, for Orlando and put Ben Simmons at the four more and now that plan kind of goes to shambles and um, there really isn't much shot creation ability on that team outside of Simmons and that's really worrisome for uh, how bad their defense has looked um, you know, the Celtics have had their issues on defense in Orlando. Phillies worked even worse in that front. And so it's – we'll see, you know, my guess is they're going to try to put him on something. I bet you if it's – Simmons will play – or at least give it a shot on playing in the playoffs just based on what I've, you know, read about this injury. As long as it's not a more severe um, subluxation, like he should be able to give it a shot in a couple weeks potentially. Um but even then, like, just jumping in straight to a playoff season for him at that point, that's not going to be easy, especially coming against the Celtics team. So I don't think the Celtics were going to jockey too much for positioning in terms of the 3-4 seed in order to avoid Philly and get the Pacers instead at this point. I still, you know, if Simmons is playing, I'd still rather play the Pacers 
if I'm the Celtics, because I don't think Sabonis is coming back at all for them, and that is uh, a huge game changer for them since their mm-hmm. front line is so thin. And, Look out for um, TJ Warren, though. TJ Warren's it, been unbelievable. <laughs> it is. 50-plus the other night. Right? And so you do have to, like, I mean, they have been looking like one of the best teams in the bubble. Um, I guess I trust that, you know, you go to the postseason – Celtics locking in a little bit more defensively. I don't think I don't think many teams in the bubble period outside of like maybe Toronto are locking in defensively at all right now. And who knows whether that's just slippage or effort, but it seems to be like a league wide thing. I expect that to tighten up once the playoffs is going. But even still, like if TJ Warren and you know Oladipo, who doesn't quite look like himself yet, still even after you know having several months to rehab um, and get games in during this year after his bad knee injury, I'm still taking that. But yeah, Simmons is out of the picture for for Philly. Um, you definitely like. I don't care that Embiid's the best player in that series. Uh, no one else on that team really scares me too much. So I take them over uh, what we're seeing from the Pacers right now. Can you gauge your expectations for the Celtics right now through only four games and injuries and performances from other teams across the bubble, or is it all just so new and and rusty and unfamiliar? I would say it's probably still on par for what I think it's going to be like a coin flip series against the Raptors in round two. I still think that's what the, my expectation before the bubble started was for the Celtics and nothing has changed to that point. If, if the Celtics came out last night and like lost to that Nets team after getting not embarrassed, but getting beat pretty well by uh, Jim Butler heatless team on Tuesday night, that would be like, okay, maybe, you know, they're really struggling to get things all together here on the defensive end of the floor. But it took care of business there. There's been enough flashes of um, promise early on on both ends of the floor to, to see, you know, this is what turned this team into what looked like a 55-point team, you know, for most of the year. And so Kembo's looks good. Uh, everyone else is healthy as of right now. Um, so if they can maintain that, hang into the postseason and actually have – I mean, I can't even remember the last time they entered a postseason healthy um, <laughs> during the Brad Stevens era. But if they can get to that level um, and Smart doesn't suffer his inevitable next-to-last game injury, then um, I think they can go toe-to-toe <laughs> with the Raptors. And, you know, if you, you get there, then if you hit threes against the Bucks, then you have a chance. So um, nothing's changed in that front. I, to me, the only thing that would have brought them lowered expectations if, was if Kemba didn't look like himself, and that hasn't been the case. Well, B-Rob, I know you have got to run. We're going to keep yammering on here for a little bit, but we'll let you uh, escape this show. But obviously, we appreciate you coming on and talking up all things Bubble and the Celtics. Of course, you can always find B-Rob not only on Twitter, but Boston Sports Journal, 98.5 The Sports Hub as well. He can be heard, occasionally seen, depending on the program that you're tuning in for. So uh, great to catch up, buddy. And we'll definitely have to do it again as the playoffs get moving. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, boys. And yeah, look forward to catching up more down the road here. Sounds good. Look forward to it. And of course, B-Rob hosts the show as part of the uh, CLNS family as well. You can catch the Winning Plays podcast with Michael Pina, with Rich Levine. So uh, we we love having B-Rob on. But as Evan and I continue, uh, just for a a couple more minutes, let's, um, you know, anything, anything big that you're taking away from the stuff that that B Rob talked about and any, any big disagreements that you have 
uh, off of expectations for these final four games. And just to let the people know, if you don't have a schedule handy, you know, as we talk again, it's August 6th, the Thursday Celtics will play quote unquote at Toronto in Orlando tomorrow night and also have games Sunday against the magic. Shouldn't be a problem. Grizzlies who have just been, I mean, keeping a close eye on that pick, obviously Uh, on Tuesday of next week, then Thursday, it's the wizards who just don't belong there. And then uh, right (laughs) into the playoffs at that point. Uh, I will back up B Rob on the defense um, because Toronto looks unbelievable defensively. I mean, they were good defensively before I, before the bubble happened and the shutdown happened. They were one of the best teams defensively in the league. And I think they look better than they did before we shut it down. I mean, I really do. They look, and maybe it's because everybody else looks terrible at, on defense and Boston at times has locked it in and at times it's looked really terrible. That Miami game, I, I, I wanted to throw my TV out the window. There was so many, so many bad oppor- missed opportunities defensively that they just kept blowing. Um, I'm not sure if that's just legs or, or just rhythm or what, but that Toronto team, def- and, and I think the one thing I learned is this Toronto, I, I mean, I thought Toronto was good. Don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, the, the system works and Nick Nurse is a terrific coach, mm. but they look like, in my opinion, and, and, you know, it's only four games in, so we still have a little ways to go and, you know, with the Bucks. You know, Giannis uh, is the best player in every series. But I think Toronto has looked the best of any team in the Eastern Conference, and I don't even think it's relatively close. I think Kyle Lowry um, has been tremendous. OG Ananobi has stepped up uh, for the last time we saw him, and he's had a pretty terrific year if you haven't been paying attention. You know, Siakam's been great. You know, Fred Van Vliet is going to get a really nice contract when the season is done. Um, they've been great, and they have – they might not have the best player in every series, but they're going to have the best coach in every series. And that is a huge, huge, huge advantage for Toronto. Um, How much does that surprise you, though, without Kawhi Leonard? I mean, I think it's probably one of the biggest surprises of the entire season that Toronto's been this good without arguably the best player in the NBA. I mean, and they've been able to figure out how to replicate not only his scoring, because his scoring obviously is a big part of what made them go last year, but his defensive prowess has shifted to – some other guys in the system just completely works. And whether they have this guy in or this guy on this guy, it all works. And it's all Nick nurse. And I, and I, I can't believe he didn't win coach of the year. I just, I honestly cannot fathom. And I know, I mean, Billy Donovan had a great year. Budenholzer had a great year. Uh, none of those guys did the job that Nick nurse did. And I think that Toronto out of all the teams in Eastern conference looks the sharpest, and if I'm any, if you're Milwaukee, especially avoid them until the last possible minute, they look tremendous. And if you're Boston, you can't overlook any opponent, right? You're going to have Philly maybe in round one, maybe Indiana in round one. And look, those two teams are banged up and Boston should handle those teams, but that Toronto team's lurking. And that is a scary, scary team on both ends of the floor because of their head coach. And out of all the teams we've seen, they're the most impressive, not even close. What do you think through four with four to go? You know, perfect midpoint, obviously, not only for this show's return, but just for the Celtics' return. You know, we already outlined kind of the the pros and cons, so I don't want to rehash things we've already talked Mm -hmm. about. But bigger picture, is there one overwhelming concern for you that's not the defense? I think for everybody, it's the defense. Beyond the defense, is there that one big concern? We sort of mentioned it. Conversely, if you'd prefer, the big thing that you feel great about. You know, you can go on either side of the spectrum. Well, there's two things, and they're kind of related. The What happens to the Celtics when things go stagnant, I think, is a problem. Now, 
Hayward has, I think, been underratedly great this entire run. And I don't, I think, you know, we've mentioned it maybe in passing, but I want to give him some serious props because he looks tremendous. Um, but what this, this team probably the mustache. It is definitely the mustache. I yeah. 100% don't, agree with that. It's the power of the that mustache. No yeah. way. That's beautiful. He looks like, I made the joke the other day. He looks like a real life Luigi. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> he really does. He really does. Especially when they're yeah. in green. It really, it really throws me off. Um, but, offensively this team sometimes like Tatum had the rough night in Milwaukee, but he's been fantastic since Jalen Brown's been unbelievable and Kemba in very limited minutes. I think the, that the, the offensive flow problem they have will be alleviated with giving Kemba more minutes and, and Brad finding the best way to stagger the four guys, because I, I, I talked about this um, on a different radio show that Boston has four guys are going to score. You do other radio shows. Oh, I do. Uh, there's oh. going to be, I know, like you wouldn't know about that. Um, <laughs> you have four guys that are going to count for every night, probably somewhere between 80 and 90 points, right? Somewhere between there, between Hayward, Brown, Kemba, Tatum, somewhere between 80 and 90. It could be even more than that, pending the night. Maybe it's a good night. Maybe it's 100. Who knows? But you're going to have you know four guys count for the majority of the offense. Brad Stevens has to find a way between Daniel Tice, Marcus Smart, and then any other combination of bench guys that he throws out there. They got to f- come up with a way to score 30 points, 30, 30 points. Cause if you score 90, 120 should win you most games. The defense has been great in the bubble. So I think buck 20 should probably get you wins on most nights. Finding the right combination of guys to get that is going to be huge. Now smart, you know, pen of the night can be really hot or really cold. He's going to make winning plays either way. Tice, you know, sets great screens, a great sealer plays good defense positionally guards up and down, but not a guy who's going to score a whole lot. And then you have the mis- the 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 mix the mixed things off the bench between you know Brad Wanamaker and 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 Romeo Langford and whether it's Daniel Tice or Rob Williams and then we'll see if Grant Williams goes into play. They got to find the right combination of guys to come up with thirty points a game between six guys, right? So or let's call it because it's going to be an eight man rotation, four guys. So they got to find a way to score thirty points with four guys. Now, what is helpful with Boston is they have different guys to facilitate. They have a Kemba, they have a Hayward, they have a smart, you know, those three do in Tatum do primarily, you know, the, the ball handling, having those guys set up their teammates is going to be huge. And I think smart has done a great job. The first couple of games of dictating who gets the shot when like, okay, Tatum's hot, give him the ball. Tatum's cold, find somebody else, give him the ball. He does a great job. Like if, you know, Cantor's been doing great on the defensive boards, offensive boards. Next time down, get Cantor a touch early, see if he can go to work and get and see what he can do. Or, oh, Jalen's hot. All right, give him the ball, clear out, everybody move out. So they got to find some things. I am encouraged by a lot of stuff, but the offensive lapses they have, which could be cured by playing Kemba Walker more, are concerning, especially against a team like Toronto, who you're going to have to go through to get to Milwaukee, who's another legendary defensive team um, and has length all over the floor. So, as you look at the bigger picture, the two teams Boston's going to have to beat to get to the NBA Finals, you can have defensive or offensive lapses against those teams because even if when you do, they can bury you on the other end. It's not going to be pretty. I'll tell you, I totally agree with what you were saying, obviously, about uh, Kemba Walker looking good and the limited amount that he has played. And right now we're between, what, 18 and 25 minutes a game, ballpark basically that he's played in these first three. He has looked solid. He has looked locked in. He's shooting well. He's composed, even defensively. He's looking pretty good. The need is he's assertive. The need does not seem to be bothering him. That being said, it's just sort of like the antenna. You know, my 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 internal alarm goes off a little bit. Whenever I feel like 
and maybe you disagree. I feel like Kendrick Perkins has gone out of his way to to slight Kemba multiple times since the season restarted. Not saying, oh, yeah, like it, it's not an attack on Kemba so much as a skepticism that he's going to be there when the Celtics need him. Now, maybe it's just as a guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career, calling out Kemba's injuries. I, I can't help but feel knowing how closely connected he still is to that organization and to Danny Ainge and doing media with NBC and blah, 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 blah. I feel like he knows something that has not been revealed at this point, and I'm nervous about it. Um, I, uh, I respect the opinion. I disagree, though. Um, I don't think if, if something's wrong with Kemba's knee, I don't think anybody's saying anything. Not right now. I don't think they're going to say a word. I think they're just going to keep it. And, and the Celtics – you know, there are other organizations out there where this would get out. But Boston does a good job of getting the information out that they want to have out there. I mean, the Markel Fultz pick or the trade <laughs> is the ultimate example of that, right? They wanted to make yeah. everybody believe they were taking Markel Fultz for the entire time they were taking Jason Tatum. So they're they're really good. And, and it goes back to the point, although poor one out, like if Bullpet does, if Bullpet says it, it's true. If he, if he doesn't, then we don't know. Um, right. I, I understand where you're coming from because, again, he's a, you know, uh, want to ring with the Celtics, obviously, since all has ties with the organization. But I don't think Danny Ainge or, or Austin Ainge or Brad Stevens or anybody is really telling Perk what's going on. I think it's Perk. I don't think any of those three are. But I, I'm thinking lower level. Is there, there are people is there anybody left? Is it like Jeff Twist might be the only guy left? You know, like <laughs> Eddie lacerts has gone. Bidu's I, gone. I mean, who's left of that of that, that crew in 08 the, that's still there? Who's the, who's the equipment guy who's been there for like 30 years? JoJo? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what is JoJo really? I don't know. Look, I don't know. All of, all of, I'm not accusing anyone of anything. All I'm saying is, Perk, if you're listening, you're making me nervous. <laughs> he's, making all, like, he's making everybody. His takes have been unbelievable. I mean, what did he say on TV the other day? And it was, it was going around on Twitter, like, well, in the Celtics, you know, Celtics. Do, uh, he was like, I, this is why I'm going with Toronto, or I'm going with Milwaukee. And the Celtics don't have Kemba. Well, what do you mean the Celtics don't? Have, what happened? What happened to Kemba? What did we miss? What wasn't reported? What is this I guy he, talking about? I think it was a classic perk miss mix miss up or mix mishap or something. I I, yeah, I wouldn't put a lot whatever. of stock wouldn't put a lot of stock into Perkins on television. I, I and I love the guy. He's great. He's fantastic. He he gets he stirs the pot. He gets Twitter going. No question. Uh but I and I love him for, to death because he was on the show in front of the program. Hey, I, I'm um, pretty sure I don't I, I can't say this with certainty, but I'm pretty sure his media career started by doing this show. I think this was the first the thing first. he did before he before he became the sensation that he is in the media world. Obviously, Perk was always Perk. But before like before Fox and ESPN and everything, I, he was on Celtics beat, damn it. <laughs> it was a fun show to edit, actually. That was a good time. Yeah, uh, he, cool, he, the classic, cool I wanted to call it, um, uh, what did, he kept saying something over and over and over again. He had a crutch, and I forget what it was. It was, uh, it, But I wanted to call it that, like, like the name of the episode would be that. And I, the fact that I can't come up with it right now is completely ruining this take. And uh, I apologize to anybody listening. That it's okay. People point. just need to go back and listen to the archives then. That's it. Yeah, go back go, and listen. Go on to iTunes, search Celtics or Celtics Beat. It'll it's pop there. up. It's still there. Look for the Kendrick Perkins show, which was at this point many months ago. and uh, About a year and, ago. And go find it. Yeah, probably. Crazy about a year ago, like right now. Like, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's, it's probably about now. What are you nervous about? Yeah. You nervous about anything? When it comes to the season, are you just like, eh, it's four games, it's the, the Russ shows, but duh, you know, I haven't played in four months, obviously the Russ is going to show. Are you nervous about it? Because I am legitimately nervous about the lack of offense sometimes. 
And because it's I'm, only to get harder when the playoffs start, defenses get better. Yeah, see, I'm I'm actually on it's it's the same take but the opposite approach to it. I actually believe that the offense is going to be there generally speaking when they need it. I'm nervous about the defense showing up. And even though it is a Brad Stevens staple, even though they have the guys to do it, I am concerned about the defense making a key stop when it absolutely has to. And and because again, like that people hear that statement, they think one play. No, I mean one quarter. Like you might have to lock down for a quarter. You might you might have to lock down for a half. And we have seen no evidence from the Celtics of that so far in their return. Doesn't mean they won't get there. And it is a four game, very small sample size, but it is what it is. And, you know, include scrimmage games as well. This is just the reality that it has been so far. I feel like there's so much talent there, both sides of the ball, but there's so much talent there that like Brown, Tatum, Kemba, even smart Hayward, obviously, you know, random guy X, but like those ones in particular, I think the buckets are going to be there when they need them. A big key defensive stop against the guy that most people are not equipped to stop the Giannis's of the world, the Embiid's of the world. We know that they're thin at the big man position, unless a guy like Rob Williams all of a sudden, you know, evolves to be a much bigger contributor on that side of the ball than people would have thought pre Nets game. Obviously, if that all happens, I will feel a little bit better. But in this moment, it's sort of the opposite end of your take, I guess. Well, you look at that Blazers game, right, where where Dane gets absolutely red hot. And, I, man, mm-hmm. do I love watching Dane get red hot because he just starts pulling up from 38 feet and it's just nothing you can do yeah. about it. But the one yeah. thing I will say is, you know, I thought it took Brad a little too long to start trapping him as soon as he crossed half court. And, and you know, not to plug somebody else's podcast, but Steve Kerr was on Simmons's pod and talked about how – Dame, Trey Young, Steph Curry, all these long-distance – Luca, these long-distance shooters that have changed the geometry of the floor that, you know, you don't, you don't trap them, you know, when they, you know, when they get to the, the, the three-point line. No, you've got to trap them as soon as they cross half court, get the ball out of their hands, get the ball moving somewhere else. And, I, and Brad did a good job eventually getting to that point, trapping him as soon as he crossed the half-court line, getting the ball out of his hands, making CJ or, or Nurkic or Gary Trent Jr., who has not stopped shooting well this entire bubble run, you know, getting the ball out of his hands and getting the ball to those guys and having those guys kill you. Because Dame, he's like – he's one of the few guys that once it gets hot, it's hard to take him out of his rhythm, like a Harden, uh, uh, like a Steph. Uh, once he gets moving, it's hard. And now the one thing with Brad, I'm glad he did it, but you got to do that earlier when, when it, the games really count. Like you can't let Giannis get a full head of steam going to the basket over and over and over and over again. I know it's difficult. Trust me, he's seven foot whatever and an alien. He's not really human. Um, but they're going to face some guys uh, coming up. Like a Lowry eventually will we'll get there. Um, you know, Embiid, if he's really feeling it, finding a way to get the ball out of his hands and moving it around, it's going to be real interesting. And and I, I somewhat echo your concerns about the defense, but I go back to, Brad Stevens is a defensive coach. They have the bodies on that side of the ball to really make things difficult between Brown, Tatum, Tice. I'll throw Romeo Langford in there just just for, you know, to throw him out there to shake the snow globe, as Brad always says, smart, obviously. Um, they have the horses to do that. I'm just I, – I guess you and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum but still have concerns about one very, very big thing. And it, it's just, you know, four games to go. They haven't played in a long time. This all could be for naught. Um, but if you don't see improvement – quickly 
the Celtics could look at a premature exit, and that's just going to be really disappointing. But a full circle, what the hell are we worried about? They just put up 150 points. Yeah, against the Poughkeepsie <laughs> Nets. Not even Long right. Island. We want to remind go you, Central New York. This show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag for your exclusive sign-up bonus. We appreciate you being with us. Brian Robb, Boston Sports Journal, Sports Hub in Boston. And, of course, you can uh, always hear him as part of the CLNS Media Network with the Winning Plays podcast as well. We'll plug other podcasts within the family. We're okay with that. None, none of those other shows ridiculous Evan Valenti (laughs) thank you sir I am Adam Kaufman thanks for being with us we will talk to you again in just a few days right back with you as these games continue Celtics back at it tomorrow night inside the bubble Gino go on